What is up, everybody? My name is Jack Graham. And I'm Mac Rikers, and together we are the In-Situ Collective. And we are here to teach you the habits and strategies to put your health and fitness first. And help you to feel amazing, increase your energy, gain confidence, and ultimately have a bigger impact. Welcome back to another episode. We have another guest in, but before we get into that, if it's your first time here, make sure you hit subscribe, follow, give us a five-star rating, positive comments only, and help us grow this podcast. It helps us reach more people. Uh, I think everybody's going to get something out of this. I'm very looking. I'm looking forward to the conversation we're about to have with our guest, and I think I'll stop talking and leave it there, and let her introduce herself. Okay. Hi everyone. Um, my name is Chantelle Pierce, and I own Om Sweet Om Yoga in Milton. Um, yeah, I live at Kings Point and have lived in the area for the last seven years. So it's seven yeah. years. Yeah. So what originally brought you to Aladala or the South Coast area? The South Coast area. Oh, sorry. I'm pretty nervous. Um, <laughs> you can find, you're just pretending you're talking to us. <laughs> okay, great. Um, the South Coast area was, it was actually from living overseas for a long period of time. And then that kind of come to an end. So I ended up having to come back to Australia. And then I ran into someone who I used to nanny for in Canada. Yep. And they had a house in Mollymook, conveniently. Oh, wow. Empty. So I moved moved to the South Coast. Nice. Um, so where were you overseas? So I was in um, the Rocky Mountains in Banff, Alberta for a long time in Canada. Yep. And then lived in Revelstoke as well for quite a long time. Um, and that's really where I guess I started to get into yoga a lot more than, than where I grew up. Where I grew up was really rural, so we didn't really have any yoga instructors out on the farm yeah. um yeah so it was mainly in canada where my yoga journey really really began so what took you over there uh it was it was actually through uh the, i guess that as i finished school i was actually um enrolling for the army mm-hmm. and then i broke my ankle so i couldn't do the physical mm. okay so that resulted in me not being able to go into the army after kind of i finished my vce yep. and then from there um i decided to go up and live with my brother on the sunshine coast and i met a bunch of canadian backpackers and they were amazing yep. <laughs> and it, so many similarities so I decided to head over to Canada and spend a bit of time over there Nice. and stayed for like five, five and a bit years. Wow. And was your first yoga session in Canada? No, there was actually a lady who used to teach out of our, it was like a little gym in the town that was closest to where I grew up, Koryong. And I did go to one or two of hers, but I was like 15 and... It was quite a few kind of older ladies yep. doing some stretching. I went with another girlfriend who was also 15. Didn't really understand what was going on. You know, it was one of those moments where you just kind of giggle at one another and and then someone farted and that was, <laughs> that was the end of it. That was kind of the, the yoga experience. Um, yeah, and then the next time that I did try it was uh, in Canada and I purely went to it because... Uh, I just thought yoga was stretching mm. and it was from going to, you know, I was doing a lot of snowboarding, a lot of hiking in the summer um, and I never really stretched other than like the quick, you know, quick little stretch at the end mm. or jump in the hot tub or something like that. Um, so it ended up being a way, you know, the gym was offering it that I went to it and I was like, well, this is an hour that I have to stretch for, like I can't get out of it. So I signed up um, and went to my first class there. In Banff? In Banff, up at the gym. And a lot of the teachers who were teaching at the gym actually taught at the main yoga studio in Banff. So I went to my first class at the gym and something I'll never forget, 
um, attending that first class and I was like, oh, there's something more happening here. Like I'm not just stretching. There was like this real awareness, which I hadn't really had before. And then after that class, I went and talked to the teacher and she was like, oh, I also teach down at, you know, the yoga studio. So then I pretty much just went to the yoga studio the next day and that was that was it. I was hooked. Yeah. How regular were you going? I become a little bit of an asana junkie, um, <laughs> which I think a lot of people associate the practice of yoga just with doing the physical poses. And I definitely was addicted to kind of that that feeling that it gave me without a full understanding initially of, of why I was having that. Um, so I was going, some days I'd go three times a day. Wow. And I usually practice six days a week. Yeah, right. Yeah, wow. so I was pretty dedicated. The style that I did start in was, was quite a traditional form. So it was Ashtanga or Mysore practice, which is a very traditional lineage one from India and it's basically just a set series of poses so there's 41 poses that you move through you come into them you breathe you hold the pose and then you move into the next and then there's a vinyasa element in it as well so that's really where the the vinyasa or flow practice that you always see was derived from was from that so I'm really glad that I had that experience because I think a lot of people when they first come to yoga they kind of get thrown into this really fast dynamic like here there everywhere mm. not a great deal of focus on breathing and and it can feel quite overwhelming yeah. like it's it feels like oh I don't know what that was but I don't want to go back to it yeah. yeah so I'm super grateful that I had a gradual introduction and a really good introduction into breathing which is a huge part of yoga mm. Mm. Um, so you were in Banff for how many years? I think I was there for three, three and a half. So then you moved to Revel? Yeah, and then I moved to Revelstoke. Um, and you were there for, say, two or three years as well. So did yeah. you continue practising that much? Yes, that time? yep. So I did go a little bit between the job that I was working for was a, it was a heli-ski lodge. So I worked, it was two weeks on, one week off. Mm-hmm. So on my one week off, I would sometimes still travel up to Banff oh, yeah. and crash on a friend's couch. Um, I was really passionate about the studio that I practiced at because, like it, um, I think living overseas and not having that family connection, it felt like a family. Yeah. Um, it felt like a real. It had a huge sense of community and connection, and it um, it felt like a home away from home, and that really actually inspired the name Om Sweet Om. So yeah. it was, I would try and get back to Banff, but there were also, there was a few studios in Revelstoke, so I'd practice there. And by that stage, I'd, I'd kind of started developing just practicing by myself. So yeah. it become quite an ingrained, embodied experience that you could, you know, my mat became my yoga studio, essentially. Yeah, yeah, um, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so I do want to dive into that a little bit, but let's keep moving forward. So you've moved back to Australia. Moved back to Australia, yeah. It wasn't by choice, so I found that a little difficult. It was to do with visa. Um, they changed a lot of the ways that the visas were operating. Mm-hmm. So I ended up coming back to Australia, and I initially went back to, um, to where I grew up, which was quite, quite isolated, um, and I just wasn't wasn't enjoying it and then I as I said I bumped into a friend when I was up in Sydney for the weekend and he could see that I wasn't wasn't in a great place um and he offered he offered for me to kind of rent one of their houses in in Mollymook and then also kind of take care of the the cleaning for the Airbnb so it was a pretty good deal and I hadn't been I hadn't been to this part of the coast um, because we're further further south, if we went to the coast, it was kind of Bermagui or Tathra yep. area. So I think the furthest I'd been up was Batemans Bay. Um, yeah, so then I got, I got mum to drive me over here and I literally just come with a backpack <laughs> and moved into this house, which you'd think in Mollymook it's like this amazing. Mm. I mean, you drive through Mollymook now and they're pretty amazing, a lot of the houses. Um, but no, this was just a little beach shack, so... 
it was freezing and um buy swap sell was a fantastic way of like starting everything starting everything and getting some things so yeah I just had my backpack yoga mat didn't have a car and that was difficult originally yeah like seven years ago there wasn't there wasn't a lot of ways to get around no um yeah so it's I ended up getting a car and yep. could get around. Yeah. And you didn't know anybody here when you first moved here? So didn't know anybody when I first moved here. Wow. Yeah. So it was a pretty big uh, change. Um, but I think from traveling and kind of living abroad, you you have a pretty big open mind. And I think the practice of yoga, although I hadn't realized at that stage, like had really created that, that openness yeah. to to just trying new things so yeah nice. yeah um i guess that was going to lead into my next question so you've moved here did the yoga still continue as frequently as it was when you're in canada yeah so i did still have a daily practice it wasn't kind of three times a day i think <laughs> when you've got a class to go to um i've always been one of those people like if i've committed to something like if i've locked myself in i'm not going to let the people down so I think um, when it comes to self-practice or home practice or anything that you do, it's a little bit more you've got to have that commitment to yourself. So it was more once once a day I'd practice from home and I actually had um, two audio recordings from my teacher in Canada <laughs> and that really, um, you know, I knew them off by heart by the, towards the end because I just would kind of do those and and then my own practice as well so yeah it was still very much a big part of of my life um yeah 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 nice um so i guess let's move into your business now so how long was it before you sorry luna's just scoping your bag out um (laughs) how long was it before you like you moved here and then how long until you opened up a gym? Oh, a yoga studio. Um, so I moved here in, in the March and then I'd actually, um, you know, a big part of kind of moving here by myself was, and obviously not by choice of having to leave Canada, like my mental health deteriorated. So the yoga practice was a huge aspect of that actually kept me positive. Um, and... And a big part of it was kind of continuing that connection to my teacher and to that community, which I'd formed over there. And the teacher that I had was offering a yoga teacher training. And at that stage, I'd been practicing for like, I don't know, yeah, the last five, five or six years with her. Mm. And it was in India, which I'd always wanted to go to. And I think also from practicing um, or initiating the practice in a very traditional form, it was it just felt like the right thing to do. Um, so I signed up. She was offering that February, like the following February. So I signed up for that. Mm-hmm. And then um, I went over to India and completed my, my teacher training. Uh, so it was kind of – it was two months I was there for total, and then it was six weeks – of yoga teacher training daily immersive kind of just that that was it like it was even you know she took our phones off us at the beginning and we got to have our phones I think on the Sunday (laughs) but it was it was pretty much just like eat breathe and live yoga and when I say that like there's a whole philosophy behind yoga like there's a whole you know the sister science of yoga Ayurveda like there's there's a lot more richness to it than just the physical practice. So that was kind of just immersed in it for that whole time in, you know, the motherland of, of yoga. So yeah. it was a really um, transformative experience for me and and it did shift that mind state. Like, you know, I was severely depressed before I went and and I think anything that you can dedicate like that much time to will have a positive effect. Mm. But it really, you know, as soon as I got back, I was like, I need to share this so that it can have that same effect for people who who may not even know that it's possible. So I pretty much, I got back and I went and found a place 
um, that I could open the studio and that was it. I didn't really look back. I started, you know, ripping up carpet tiles and painting walls and figuring it all out along the way and um, and then opened Om Sweet Om in June of 2016. And like I said, I called it Om Sweet Om because of that connection to the studio that I was practicing and to that community in Banff and with the intention that the studio would create a community and a sense of connection for everyone. Yeah. Um, and, and especially for me, because I think that's what I, I was missing from moving here and, and not really knowing anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Um, so let's dive into the yoga, it, like the practice itself and everything behind it and all that sort of stuff. Um, so a couple of questions have popped up for me, you telling the story. Um, so when you were in Canada, you were snowboarding, doing all that sort of stuff, then you started practicing yoga. Did you find your snowboarding and the hiking and all that sort of stuff got a lot better and easier, like with that more mind-body connection? Yeah, absolutely. I remember in one of the classes, a teacher had mentioned, you know, that by doing yoga, something to do with like your cardio health it would increase your cardio I've never been a really big runner um, or anything like that so I was like oh that's a good bonus and I didn't really believe her until um, around like obviously we're in the Rocky Mountains so there's all these amazing kind of 10 hour hikes that you can do to the top of mountains and it's beautiful and I remember kind of you know I was there for a number of years so you you do repeat a few and um I could see that improvement in in kind of in my like yeah. cardio health and yeah. like even in just that body awareness and kind of you know really pressing down through the heels so that I'm lifting up and using more of like my glute muscles rather than relying on kind of slumping forward this bad posture as I kind of you know press up and and walk and then same with definitely like in the mountain snowboarding it was just the the concept of understanding that it's all linked with the breath, it's linked with the movement, it's like they're not separate, it's actually a, a yeah. one. So it it definitely, you know, even just simple tasks like pushing a shopping trolley or like, you know, carrying bags and that type of thing, you were just m- much more aware about your posture, if you were breathing, mm. and then just kind of also a lot more in the moment rather than I think, you know, especially how fast paced and I feel that the older I'm getting, the more things are on my calendar and schedule and it's just, it can feel super overwhelming and it feels like you're never in that moment because you're always like, well, I've got to do that next and I've yeah. got that and I've got that. Um, or you're thinking about, oh, did I turn the oven off? Have I done that? So it also brought into that that practice of kind of being in the moment and actually just being like, well, I'm here, I'm in my body, I'm carrying my groceries. Yeah. It's a beautiful day. Yeah. Um yeah, so I often say, especially on these podcasts and the clients and all that sort of stuff, your heart doesn't really care what you're doing. So if you're training, like if it's yoga and you're concentrating on your breath and you're doing a 90-minute session, that's still 90 minutes of <laughs> breathing and concentrating and doing all that sort of stuff. So you don't have to be going out, going for a jog. Mm. You don't have to be doing that. You can just be doing a yoga session, concentrating on your breathing, moving, and it still gives you the same effect. Yeah. Your heart's going to be beating no matter what you do. So as long as you find something that you do, you enjoy, Yeah. Um, it's going to improve. And that is awesome. And again, with that mind-body connection, it's I see this obviously as a coach all the time. You get somebody to lift up a barbell and push them over their head and they just got no concept of what their lower body's doing because they're concentrating on um, pushing overhead. So it, from my experience as well, I've found yoga very connecting with everything as well so it sort of helps you just you know when you're doing one task it's sort of you're not just focusing on the task you're focusing on your whole body and how Mm. it's doing the task as well um i forget where i was going with that (laughs) that's fine um so i guess um well let's go into some sort of common mistakes that you see beginners doing so a lot of people listening to this might not have done yoga or have tried it Mm. and you know didn't really get that connection that you got because you had such a good teacher somebody going into yoga or have done it a little bit and not getting that connection what advice or tips or just mindset can you give them to sort of flow into it a little bit better and get that 
deeper connection with it? The, the first thing and like the even, you know, if I meet someone and they're like, oh, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I teach yoga. The first thing that people say is, oh, I'm not flexible enough. I could never do that. <laughs> so first I just want to say it's got nothing to do with how flexible you are. Um, the, the second thing is like it's really – it's really the, the foundation of the practice is all to do with breathing. Mm. And, and the yogis really had this understanding that the breath is, is what could then, you know, they use the word control, but it was this concept of the breath was able to master our mind so that when we do get overwhelmed or we have all these like thoughts and, and feelings arising, we can have an anchor point to come back to in any given moment. So the breath is is really the focus. And if you can find a teacher that, like I bang on about the breath a lot, <laughs> but it's because it it is really what we need to be focusing on. And that is what will create that, that mind-body connection. Um, and I think a big thing that, that people feel what yoga is, is that it is really, it's just about the physical poses which the the physical poses or like that word asana that sanskrit word um it actually means to sit like it means seat so the intention behind moving our body is so that we can sit in stillness and observe our mind so it's like this amazing like when you understand that it's like this light bulb moment that anyone and everyone can do it because it's so based around the breath and around understanding what's happening in our mind and mm. then like kind of finding this beautiful harmony within so that we we don't get as affected by this turbulence that constantly happens of in life um so it's really about kind of coming with an openness and knowing that you don't have to be flexible you don't have to be any like age shape size anything you can just show up and as long as you are like consciously focusing on your inhale and your exhale you are practicing yoga yeah. like even if it's not an actual pose like yeah that that is the idea behind the practice yeah um and i feel like especially these days a lot of people will only do something if they're going to get benefit out of it like you know um we had somebody ask us the other day you know what's the benefit of crossfit as in is it gonna get me big muscles or is it gonna lose me mm. weight and all that sort of stuff and it's like yoga it's almost you get so much benefit out of it because you're just connecting with your body mm. and you're separating everything else, your goals, the intentions, all that sort of stuff, and you just get that mind-body connection. And a lot of like, you know, people go, oh, yeah, whatever. But how long has yoga been around for? Well, yeah, some of the scriptures date back over 5,000 years old. Yeah. And what other... Plus. What other, um, you know way of exercise or exercise routine is that old like there's a reason yeah. why it's so old and it's still being practiced around the world so yeah it's it's just one of those like i guess the proof is in how long it's been around yeah and i guess we could transition that straight into like what what are you starting to see now with some of the yoga trends and out, stuff out there that mm. you know is sort of targeting towards those people that you know, you've got to be doing yoga and this way you'll lose your weight, like fat and all that yeah. sort of stuff. So I guess what do you see is happening and what can, advice can you give to people so seeing those and going, oh, I need to do that type of yoga? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, like all kind of, like everything, fashion um, and in the sporting industry, there, there are trends and yoga definitely um, has has trends as well so when I began practicing it was um it was a lot of like this very uh and I think it's, it's kind of been like this for the last yeah easy five six years like this power fast vinyasari practice mm. which is amazing um you know it is like a moving meditation if you are breathing if you're not breathing, if you're kind of like, or if, and what I mean by breathing is like actually using the diaphragm to, to breathe. So there's this full diaphragmatic breath that's occurring with every movement. Um, the focus has been moved more to the movement 
rather than the breath leading the movement. So it's more、mm. the movement leads the breath, which takes a little while to. But basically, we want to layer the movement on top of the breath. So that's where it's kind of it's it's shifted to more of this this exercise regime or this kind of like way that you can. You can sweat and you can get into all these funky poses and these advanced, you know, asanas has started to come up with like these ways of, you know, progressing into into having goals, yeah, like goals to work towards, which again is is not really what the practice was about. Yeah. So it's it's shifted a lot from from I guess the traditional meaning behind it into more of like a. Goal orientation about you know you can lose weight and you sweat and you can get these these crazy poses that are Instagram worthy.、Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit the direction that it's kind of moved moved towards.、Um, and I think a big thing that I see is、um, is people just aren't breathing. Like they're just breathing this really short, shallow breath from the top of the chest. They're not relaxing into You know this full diaphragmatic breath, and and if they're not doing that, they're kind of they're missing the huge chunk of what yoga is.、Um, so it's definitely it's definitely come into like more of just a exercise regime than than a mindfulness practice.、Yeah. Um, and especially, it's been really interesting going back and teaching kind of post, maybe not post, maybe that's too optimistic, but you know with. Uh, now not having to wear a mask in class, yeah, and still just seeing people like are really hesitant in in breathing, so it's kind of creating that space where people do feel comfortable to to use their breath so that they can actually relax. Like our nervous system is so dependent on the way that we breathe that if we're only just taking these kind of、um, short, shallow breaths, like that's going to You know, step into that fight or flight kind of heightened,、um, pump the adrenaline through the body. It's it's not having the effects that we want in yoga. We want those nice big diaphragmatic breaths so that we can drop more into that parasympathetic side of the nervous system. We can start to actually simmer things down because our, the rest of our lives is this go go go.、Mm. Um, so it's really、um, a big part is is connecting into the breath and and getting people to just. Just slow it down a little. Like our asana practice has become as fast as our time in, like off the mat. Like it, it's become just a, a thing that we do in our schedule. Yeah. Rather than an experience that we have. Yeah. So, it needs to come back to that.、Mm. Um, I think that the whole breath thing goes into pretty much any time you're moving your body, even when you're not. Like I don't know how many times. I see it as a coach or just a one-on-one. It's like breathe through the movement. Like whether you're lifting weights, doing CrossFit, powerlifting, even bodybuilding, like connecting the breath to the exercise、mm. helps so much. Especially like just with the contraction of the muscle and the extension, just bringing the breath into that. You know, it's not it's something people don't think about, but it's just that more connection you got to the muscles. No matter what you're trying to do.、Um, Just gets you a whole lot more benefit.、Um, so I think that breath goes into <laughs> anything you're doing.、Mm. Um, so you sort of talked about breathing properly into the diaphragm and all that sort of stuff. Is there a way you can just sort of explain to everybody listening where they they're sitting there now listening to these podcasts? Is there something that they can just do or like? Yeah, just- for sure. So、um, a great way to practice this is kind of lying down and.、Um, Thinking about the belly as as a balloon, and you may have had this practice kind of discuss or、um, taught to you before. But you want to like a great way to kind of feel that connection is even placing the hands onto the belly and starting to just feel the belly expand as you breathe in, and then as you breathe like a balloon inflating, and then as you breathe out, you start to feel the balloon deflating. So there's this movement of of our belly. Um, and I think that's another thing you see is people come into the yoga class and they start to draw the belly in and up. It's like we actually need to relax the belly to start、mm. to to get that full belly breath. So placing the hand on the belly is a great way of feeling that. And then we want to start to kind of feel it also into the side of the ribs. We can feel, you know, the ribs have such a、um, 
such a part in in our breathing that they actually kind of lift and open up so that the diaphragm can can create its movement as we breathe so we need to we can feel the rib cage actually kind of opening and closing slightly as we breathe or expanding and condensing so you can also kind of feel that as you feel into the belly and then as you feel the breath extend into the ribs there's this kind of movement of it slowly rising up and then falling back down and then finally once you've kind of got that section you can start to feel it up around the tops of the collarbones so that as you inhale you now feel the belly expand the ribs expand outwards and then a slight lift of the collarbones and then as you exhale it's kind of like this beautiful movement or wave of the breath flowing back down the collarbones soften the ribs slightly condense and then at the bottom of the breath the the belly like starts to draw back towards the spine slightly so there's that kind of deflating of a balloon and a great way of of doing this and, and stepping into more of that switching into that parasympathetic is is maybe focusing on extending the breath to a slow four as you breathe in and then seven as you breathe out so anytime that we can extend the exhale or create that prolonged exhale we're going to start to kind of relax the body a little bit so even if it's just a few extra counts or into four and out to six that's you'll feel that effect um, even if you just do it five times you'll start to feel that kind of relaxed um, effect of the practice yeah nice and anybody listening that's tried that definitely let us know how you went um, and it's funny how you were sort of describing the belly and then the side ribs and then the collarbone and all that sort of stuff that's exactly how I teach um, powerlifters to brace. Yeah. So it's exact like it's just like I think I said this to you a couple of weeks ago. Like strength and flexibility, all that sort of stuff, and the breath. It's all one. Like mm. you can't have strength without you know flexibility and connection, and yeah. you can't have like strength without the vice versa. So sort of just funny how it just does tie all in together, and you can't sort of just. Um, focus on one well you can to get that better but then you've got to bring the strength back up with it as well and strength isn't you know how much you lift it's how well you can control the movement yeah so there's strength in the breath as well and controlling your breath to that point is strengthening the breath um i guess let's sort of switch the directions a bit unless you've got any more questions on yoga or anything like that mm, not at this point in time uh, yeah, love talking yoga, so go for it. <laughs> um, well, if you do, we'll come back to it. Yeah. But I just sort of wanted to go into business, I guess, a little bit. Um, mm. I, I, like For me as well, I had a gym. I know, you know, you sort of jump in thinking this is going to be easy. I'm going to be able to do – I'm going to be able to train all day and, mm. you know, it's going to be fine. And then you sort of jump into it and you never train and you're doing all these other things that um, – you didn't think you'd be doing so what sort of advice would you have i guess for yourself going into the business if you could wind back time what would you tell yourself yeah like i am so proud of the younger me <laughs> and like so grateful for for that because like i look back and i don't even know how i how i did those those initial few six months i think i was teaching 22 classes a week wow. um like i was just exhausted mm. um so i think a big part of it is is having and and initially when you start like you know you need to be the main person teaching and doing all of this because you don't you don't have the finances to pay someone um i know i initially i didn't really know anyone so i didn't even know like if there were other yogis, <laughs> yogis that would want to come and teach um so a big part of it i think winding back that clock is if i you know <laughs> I was just so passionate and I just wanted to to really help people like it had helped me so I wish that I had a little bit more support in terms of not having to to extend myself as much it definitely led to a little bit of a pattern of kind of go 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 and then almost a little bit of like a crash and a burnout phase mm -hmm. and then you know you'd have to get the gusto and go again so it was a little bit of more of a roller coaster of a ride rather than hopefully just like a smooth plateau but I don't think there's such a thing with a small business so like I said I'm super grateful that I obviously just had that 
drive to to get through those months and Mm. then um I did have some other teachers come on board which just helps you know you just there's so many different methods of yoga as well like that you know that's another big thing that I'd suggest to people even if you go and practice one class try one class and you're like "Mm, I don't know try another like just try different things there's there's some amazing um, methods that really focus on more of this kind of breathing and mindfulness awareness um, such as yin yoga there's ones that focus purely on kind of resetting the nervous system such as restorative there's more of these like um, functional movement classes like there's there's just such a variety out there um, one of my teachers used to talk about it like a yoga forest like there's so many different <laughs> styles and methods and teachers and and ways that people interpret it so um, definitely trying different different styles um, yeah and I think it, it really helped having other teachers and then from that point actually realizing that I needed a way of of having more teachers on board on a permanent basis so actually started um, my own teacher training program oh, yeah. so that I could you know kind of pass that pass that on to then teach teachers to to become a yoga teacher and then offer that offer that out so that that's been a huge thing like if you just need other people who who want to be part of what you're doing yeah and um and once you have that it it definitely just feels a lot more the whole intention behind it was to create community so Mm. as soon as I started having more people who wanted to be part of that then that's like what really fills up your own cup and then keeps you going yeah whereas I think sometimes you can just feel you know it was a really quiet week still got to pay bills I'm exhausted it would be much easier to maybe just like go and get a nine-to-five job or yeah Mm. something that has a consistent paycheck that you know I think every every business owner goes yeah you have yeah even just I reckon it can break down into hours you have a good hour then a bad hour yeah (laughs) and then and then you have someone who like does a session with you or a class and they're like you know you can just see that shift that occurs and you're like oh this is this is why I'm doing it like it just kind of brings that back to like this is why I am doing what I'm doing rather than, you know, whatever it may be. (laughs) So initially when you first opened your studio, did you have any friends at that point? Like how did you get people (laughs) to know about you and the studio, I guess? Like I I had a few, like um, I had a few people. So I'd worked in um, hospital, like I was working uh, I was doing a few shifts at Pilgrims and then I was also doing, I was just housekeeping at um, Bannisters actually. Oh, yeah. So I had met some people through through that, but not really. Like, you know, I kind of, like I said, when I did first move here, I was pretty, I wasn't in a great mental state. So I was just kind of doing my work, going home, doing my yoga. And that was like my, yeah. <laughs> you know, Your I wasn't life. a huge social butterfly at all. Um, so eventually like I just printed off heaps of flyers and again like I just would go around and kind of drop flyers at at different places and say hey this is you know I'm Chantel this is what I do love you to come along so people did start coming along I think it was exciting that there was um like actual space in Milton that was just offering yoga and then I also offered meditation and a few other things so yeah it was that's that's how people kind of just started started coming and then it kind of flowed on from there I think the best the best thing is people coming and experience it and then obviously sharing that with others and it it eventually starts to trickle out so and like I said I was I have so much passion for for the practice because it's had such a profound impact on my life that you know, I sometimes over give, yeah. which leads to that depletion in my own in my own kind of cup. But I'm getting better at that. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like that's really important when you start a small business. Is you have to have like some sort of strong connection with what you're doing, especially when it gets like really exhausting. Otherwise, it's just so easy to give up. 
I guess. Mm, absolutely. And, you know, there were, even over the last few years, like, oh, man, it's been a, it's been a tough time for, for everyone um, collectively and then let alone, like, small business owners and that type of thing. It's just, yeah, there's, there's been a lot of moments where it's like, you know, it would be much easier to do something else. But yeah. then, yeah, you have those moments where a student will reach out and say how the class has really affected them and it just, yeah, you know that you're doing the right thing. So you just, you persist and mm. you find a way and you keep going. <laughs> um, so I guess let's continue with that. Coming out of, you know, lockdowns and all that sort of stuff over the last couple of years, have you noticed any different trends or anything like that because I know sort of like we've gone pretty much all online we have a Mm. couple in person but we're training people from all around Australia type thing and I feel like the lockdowns and everything sort of just made that a bit more apparent that you could do that yeah and that sort of stuff um have you noticed any sort of changes or I guess yeah definitely out of there um I think like obviously, um, a lot of lot of the yoga has has switched to similar with um, training sessions and everything has switched to more of an online platform for delivering it, which is great. Um, and you know, we offered Zoom classes during during this lockdown period as well, which was a beautiful way to just stay connected with with our community and still offer them something. I think for yoga, there is something really important about you know for me definitely of you know that connection and that community and coming together and being in space and kind of moving and breathing in that synchronicity with one another like Mm. there's a it's something quite magical that happens when you've got that that you know I don't want to sound woo-woo but it's almost like that energy of a room I'm sure that you've had it in in sessions where you've got the music on you're all moving and breathing together and it just it feels really uplifting. Um, so I think that that's what a lot of people, you know, from students are like, oh, it's just not, it's not quite the same. Yeah. But I do know that with, uh, in terms of trends for what's happened with the yoga community is a lot of trainings have now just gone online. Mm. So 200 hour um, teacher training program so that you can become a teacher. Um, it's all shifted to just this online platform, which I think has some great value. I've actually just done uh, some further study. I try to do additional study at least um, at least once a year. I think it's, you know, things are constantly changing and and I think it's really important to stay on top of, of actually seeing what's coming up and how things are, are shifting and being really informed and educated. Yeah, like, you know, I want to give, yes, I'm teaching a, a room of, say, 20 students, but I want it to be as individualized as it can be so that everyone gets something from it. So it's a real fine, fine art of being able to do that. And I have just done some online training, which was really good. It was amazing. It was well delivered. But for me, there's just, you know, from experiencing both in-person trainings and online trainings, and this is just like in the, you know, training um, or further education kind of platform there's something so amazing about connecting with other people and when you do these further trainings like you really it's almost like you're kind of going back through uh, you know you're, you're applying the philosophy of yoga into what's happening in your life or you're kind of having this this very personalized experience so I think when you share that in person with one another there's a really amazing Mm. experience to be had online it was great like you got to meet people on zoom but we never really had that other than the initial kind of meet and greet it was very much just like we'd log on we'd do the work you'd log off you'd do your homework and then you'd log on and see each other so there wasn't much of like that you didn't get to connect Mm. like during the lunch break you'd sit down and and have this, just yeah. a chat and kind of get to know one another on more of a personal level. So that's that's kind of the end thing. And I think, you know, if, for someone who runs a training program and then people who are learning to teach people purely from an online basis, I see 
a little bit of it's going to be hard for those teachers to then translate that to an in-person experience. 100%. So I see that as being a little bit of a a funny concept, you know, the yeah. yoga world, it's great. Like yoga studios are pretty much just like able to to pre-record, to to create content, to set it all up, and then it's kind of like press and play. Um, but I think for for the people who are signing up, there's something really valuable about being able to then have that in-person experience and teach people um, as people in the room mm. rather than then kind of teaching scenarios. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think I definitely think it's opened up you know, health and wellness to a more broad community. Like, you know, now you can do yoga or, you know, a PT session from Mm. anywhere you want and more and more people are getting into it, which is awesome. Mm. But then you still need that, you know, higher level of coaching. Yeah. And that one-on-one or personalised type thing. But it's it's sort of like a funnel, I guess. You're getting more and more people coming in at the top and then they're funneling down into a more personalised yeah. session. And I've found that as well because, like, you know, with the information out there now, like, there's so much more information. Yes. Like, I was saying this to another guest we had on the other the other day. Like, you go back, when I was PT and 10 years ago, you'd never talk to a client about breath or sleep mm. or anything like that. It's just like, yeah, let's get in the gym and work out. But now it's, we both, the first, almost the first thing we go over for our clients is, how are you sleeping? Mm. How do you breathe? How much water do you drink? All that sort of stuff before we even get to the workouts. Um, so I feel like a lot more people are getting more educated on what's more important and, you know, coming in at the top of the funnel and then going down to a personalised session. And again, like with the coaching thing, there's a lot more opportunities for coaches now to learn mm. and, ex- like you know, build on their knowledge base. Yeah. But again, same thing. There's just that missing connection of actually being able to communicate that people and you yes. sort of need that in-person sort of interaction to be able to coach it. Yeah. Well, I guess there would be people out there that could coach it just via Zoom and all that sort of stuff, but it's very hard to learn. Yeah. Um, like even when we're talking, sometimes we're just talking to a microphone, we're getting no back and forth. Yes. It's very hard yeah. to communicate what we want to communicate because it's just a microphone we're talking yeah. to. And, and a huge part of, of, you know, as you progress as a teacher, um, you know, the first class, I remember teaching my first class and I had it all planned and like, you know, we we're going to do this amazing pose and I'd really, I was so set on how it was going to go. Like, I'd, you know, I'd been practicing it, the whole sequence, like I knew it, we were doing it. And, and I think I only had kind of five students who showed up. Someone, um, one lady was pregnant someone had never done yoga uh, another one of the students had just done uh, recently had a hip replacement and then um, we also had a lady who who didn't understand a great deal of English in one class in one class yeah first class, yeah wow. so that was my first first class and it was like okay mm-hmm. okay so pretty much I just closed my book. Yeah. Yeah. That was useless. Um, and then it was really just teaching to students that were in the room and kind of, mm. and then like that really informed a lot of my, you know, not to say that I, I like, I love planning my classes. Like there's so much joy that I get out of that and, you know, my playlist and, mm. and kind of looking at the body and how I want to prep it to open up and, and also how I want to use strength and flex and like all of these little con- like poses that go into it and then how much philosophy I want to thread through because I want people, like I'm not there to entertain people, I'm there to educate people. Yeah. So I'm not there to kind of get on my mat and show all these fancy things that I can do. I'm there for people to have that experience. Um, so I definitely, this, you know, you really need to take your time to, to plan your class and do that. But from that point, I definitely like had all of these you know, what I wanted to teach and I guess my intention behind the class, but then also having this kind of openness to showing up and seeing who arrives and then having the flexibility to be able to kind of yeah. to teach to those people. So it's a big it's a big part of, of having to, you know, you might learn how to teach these things from 
I think there's apps. There's apps you can get now that like plan new yoga sequence. Like really? it's oh, yeah. Wow. Like you don't have to be a rocket science. Mm. You can get an app or like Google stuff. But I think that that's what something is is really you can get from having a very in-depth training or like a really great teacher and and something that you'll progress in as you teach as well is is learning how to teach more to the individual rather than just like a blanket approach yeah so that everyone has a has a unique experience but yeah that first class was like okay (laughs) it was a lot of kind of the mind was like working overtime to figure out how I could accommodate for all of those people in in one class yeah 100% and that just comes from experience yeah um, and I guess that comes with our industry as well. Like, yeah. There's so many apps now where you can just get an app and it'll tell you if you want to work your chest, it'll give you a chest workout. Yeah. Or, you know, nutrition apps. How many nutrition apps yeah, are yeah. there these yeah. days? Superfoods. Yeah, superfoods. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of coaches would see that and go, oh, there's no room for coaches anymore. And I yeah. think that's actually the opposite. I think there's need and room for better coaches yeah and again experienced coaches that know how to in, like yeah teach not entertain yes. during the classes or one-on-ones yeah um cool any other thoughts on that one question that i forgot earlier that i wanted to ask when you were talking about practicing three times a day yeah. was traditionally how many times a day would people practice yoga like is that a normal amount or is that a lot I'm not sure, like, according to a lot of um, the scriptures or, like, the philosophy of of yoga, um, so the Surya Namaskar, which is is obviously uh, that Sanskrit word, Surya is sun, and Nama is to bow down to or to to honour. So it was was an honouring of the the sun. So it was usually practised in in more of, like, the morning, early morning, or as the sun rose is when um, you would practise. Um, and then, like, so as far as I can understand, it was probably more like a once, once yeah. a day kind of practice. Yeah. Um, and then some lineages don't practice on, on Sundays. Um, so, yeah, again, kind of that, that six day a week, but only once a day. Yeah. Um, whereas when I was practicing, it was, you know, there were morning classes, there was a lunchtime class and there were evening classes. So some days I would depending on work schedule and snow conditions and that type of thing, <laughs> yeah. I would end up going to to all three. Um, and, and that was just because such a big part of it was, um, for me, what I thought it was, was the asana was kind of, you know, and there, there were definitely points where I would become a little competitive or kind of, you know, it was, it was driven from the ego originally and kind of like this more goal orientated like just wanted to to get the pose and I thought that that was the idea of it and it really um ended up leading into I ended up injuring my knee um really badly and then the only practice that I could do was yin yoga which I ended up like I absolutely love yin now and um since did my training in yin because of was you know but I never would have done that class. Like that was one that I used to kind of avoid doing because it's pretty much just sitting and well, it's all seated work and coming into poses and using lots of props and supporting the body and just focusing on the breath yeah. and being in stillness. And for me, I was like, oh, that's so boring. <laughs> and I remember when I first had to go um, because, you know, my knee was busted. It was just like, the amount of thoughts that come up, I was just like, this is overwhelming. Mm. And that's why there was such a big focus on the breath to kind of navigate that. And then also to navigate, like it was it was almost like taking a little um, microscope and kind of scanning through your body and realising little areas that you're holding tension without even knowing, like your shoulders might be really up or in your jaw. It was just such a, um introspective practice that you actually kind of start to find awareness yeah. within stillness so um yeah it was i'm quite sure traditionally it's kind of a once a day thing i got a little addicted <laughs> and then learnt my lesson injured myself and had to kind of rein it back a little yeah imagine if everyone started their day like that now and mm. did like even just that whole body scan thing yeah before they like had their coffee got on social media i feel like mindsets would be a lot 
different or mental health would be a lot different if we like carried that through like what happened why do we stop yeah doing that in the morning it's crazy mm. yeah it's um one of my yoga teachers used to say like we would save a lot of money on i think she used to mainly say therapy yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> if we practiced yoga daily yeah um just because, you know, we have this awareness of kind of the thoughts arising and then kind of looking at them, but looking at them from, from you know, almost the observer, like we're not actually allowing ourselves to, to really attach to them or to, to build them into stories. We're just seeing them as a thought and then kind of like moving to the next one. Like yeah. it's just like clouds in the sky. Need, yeah. Yeah. It's not kind of getting stuck in our head and then going into that kind of down that rabbit hole, but more just, you know, taking a step back. And there is, there's so many um, beautiful practices uh, that that we teach a, a great deal, like through teacher training, but even just the practice of, of sadhana, which again is a, a Sanskrit word, the traditional kind of language in which a lot of the text and the practice of yoga originated. Um, and that word sadhana means um, conscious spiritual action um, or practice. So what it is is... Um, it's starting your day and they say that you should start your day with with sadhana so it's it's kind of waking up and and the first thing that you do pretty much sets the rhythm for your day Mm. so if you're choosing to get on your phone and start scrolling then that's going to like you're already in that kind of rat race of a (laughs) constant bombardment Mm. right whereas if you start your day by maybe like getting up and you know um, my teacher has a small little altar in a house so she'll like light a candle and set an intention for the day yeah. you don't have to do that you might just get up and you might just pause for a moment and actually like place your feet onto the floor when you get out of bed and feel that connection of the feet and feel it flowing up into the body and you know start your day that way like there's so many different little aspects of, of threading these traditional practices and and bringing them into a modern context that can create a really um big shift and and i guess create more fulfillment in our in our lives day-to-day lives rather than just kind of waiting until we get a holiday or a weekend to actually enjoy ourselves but instead just kind of threading these these little teachings into every moment yeah it doesn't have to be like a 90 minute session no no and again that's you know we associate the practice with like this 60 minute thing or these physical poses but like i said one conscious inhale and exhale that's that's yoga yeah it's better than not doing it at all yeah yeah nice um i guess we could wrap it up we've been going over for over a little little over an hour um What's any final thoughts that you could give to someone that's thinking about yoga or, again, has thought about it? Just one tip to sort of get them in there and thinking about what they should be doing. I think, like, find a... Find someone that just oozes passion for it and and do a class with them. Um and also like i said if one class doesn't like fit with you and it might even be um like i've had some beautiful teachers but sometimes the sound of their voice is not relaxing or whatever it's not meant to be so like actually just keep going back and and trying it and trying it and and even you know the simple act of like sitting if you're sitting and just closing down your eyes and trying to take a big inhale and sweep the arms up overhead and then as you exhale taking the arms back down but allowing that movement to extend for the count of the breath so really trying to to let the movement be determined by the breath and just noticing what effect that has like what kind of like little switch gets gets um flicked there and you have this connection of mind body and breath and when you start to have that like it can only further from there so it's just these little steps and it's just about consistency of trying different things Uh, again it doesn't have to be a 60 minute practice it can just be starting your day um, with more uh, of an intention or a conscious kind of way yeah 
or just connecting into your breath. So don't be scared to to give it a go and to find someone who who really has a great deal of passion behind why they're doing it and and that's where you'll find the gold. If you find someone who's just there to show you how to do handstand, <laughs> it may not, you know, it, it may not be a, a long-lasting relationship with the practice of yoga. Hmm. Um, so in saying that, where can people find you? Yeah, so um, we are on Krubia Road um, and we're just next to where the helipad is on the left-hand side there at 21 Krubia Road. Um, on yeah. socials? On socials, Om Sweet Om Milton, <laughs> pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. Very and good. we've got online timetable, uh, omsweetomyoga.com.au, so you can look us up and book into any of our classes and, yeah, mm. reach out if you have any questions. I love talking yoga I think I was more comfortable talking yoga than talking about myself so um yeah I feel like it's the same thing at the moment yeah um I was about to say that if anybody has any questions or you're just starting on your yoga or breathing journey and you want to know more reach out that's the best thing you can do ask the questions increase your knowledge base um any more queries questions awesome well thank you very much for coming in this has been great. Yeah, thank you for having me, guys. Um, again, if you've made it this far, obviously you've enjoyed the episode, so make sure you screenshot it, share it on your stories, tag us all on socials and help us get this podcast out to more people and help them breathing properly and moving and connecting with their body more. And I think I'll leave it there. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll talk to you all in the next episode. Bye. Bye.